Welcome to a special edition of the Lighthouse Conversations. I'm Chirag Desai. Now, I'm not usually in front of the mic on this show. Uh, in fact, you last heard from me on the inaugural episode of the podcast, where I was in conversation with the show's host, Hashim Mantasar. So we're doing something a little different today and going behind the scenes. We really are in an unprecedented situation with the novel coronavirus and the various restrictions in place all over the world. Now, the Lighthouse, which is a restaurant and concept store in the Dubai Design District, and from where we're bringing you this podcast, closed its operations about a week before Dubai entered a mandated 24-hour lockdown two months ago. So we're going to get into that a little bit with the people behind the Lighthouse, that's Hashim Mantasar, and his co-founder, Hani Basuni, about how they're dealing with the impact of the virus, how they decided to shut down, and where they go from here. Here's Hashim. I don't remember the exact day Hani might know, but I mean, early March, essentially, we moved from kind of a regular, um, a regular feel for the environment, for the lighthouse, for everything that was going on, to slowly starting seeing customers um, maybe shying away or less customers on sort of maybe two, three, four days. That was the first cue that from a customer's perspective, people were starting to be concerned. Uh, we started being concerned uh, as well. We obviously started reading up on the ramifications, what this could mean as a consequence for our business. And I think then once we've realized that this could be something that's sort of over and above, you know, uh, a, a passing thing and clearly has consequences, um, uh, health consequences that are very serious, we moved very quickly to the decision to just shut down. And there were a couple of um, motivations here. Motivation number one, obviously, was the health uh, and safety of our staff our customers and everyone that comes to the lighthouse or is associated with the lighthouse. Uh, secondly, we felt that if we're going to do a shutdown, um, and this is something that we're very happy we did the way we did because subsequently when we spoke to many other uh, owners and different businesses, this is something they regretted, is that we were able to speak to the staff and the team in person. Right. So yeah. we were actually able to have kind of a, a, an all-team all meeting where we explained um, what had happened, our point of view, the rationale for closing, and the rationale for doing it quickly. That, I think, makes a really big difference. I mean, when you are in a small business, uh, running a small business, you have a team that becomes essentially like your family. And uh, I think be able to look them in the eye and tell them of that decision um, and also reassure them that we're planning to reopen, that we're just taking precautionary measures. I felt that was very, very important. And I felt it went a long way to establish or continue a relationship of trust between us and our team, which is something we worked very hard to establish over three, three and a half years. And then the last thing I would say on this is that it also allowed us to, um, uh, you know, have an orderly um, uh, closing, if you will, you know, which is important when you're running uh, an F&B operation. So all sorts of things go into that. And we were able to do it in an orderly, non-panicky manner which meant we were able to uh, account for everything that was there. Uh, we, we took our time. And once we shut down, we didn't have to go back in subsequent days when things became more difficult and was more difficult to, 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 to go across the city, go back and, and do anything. Everything was sort of sealed, packed in its proper place. Um, that was very important. I mean, I recall at the time, one of the early warning signs was, um, I mean, we, we had a number of events that were planned 
for March and April, and uh, they required a number of people kind of flying into Dubai for those events. And what we were seeing was a lot of them started being uh, postponed indefinitely. There was a lot of kind of warning right. signs around them. Uh, the clients were starting to uh, discuss whether or not they should uh, do the events at all in March, whether they should do them later. So that kind of was the first, I would say, kind of red flag that made us look deeper at the situation. And then obviously there was some precedent in other countries as well. So countries that were kind of ahead of the UAE in terms of their curve, but we had started seeing sure. what was happening in Italy and Spain and so on. And sure. then the government measures here started to um, follow in that direction as well. So we started seeing some sectors, I mean, not restaurants initially, but other sec sectors, especially with regards to tourism, um, a lot of talks about flights and, and, and airport restrictions and so on, moving in that direction. So the idea was kind of to get ahead of the announcements because it looked increasingly likely that that, I mean, it was only a matter of time until restaurants would be subject to uh, very stringent restrictions in terms of uh, people coming in and, and how many people can be there at the same time and what kind of uh, measures need to be taken. Um, and and uh, a full shutdown and lockdown actually in the city. So it looked like it was happening in phases anyway. So we just wanted to get, I mean, as Hashem was saying, ahead of that, communicate well with the staff and obviously not take any unnecessary risk. And already we had yeah, started seeing um, uh, footfall decline, uh, less people coming into the office, a lot more people working from home. So uh, a delivery for a sh short period of time was actually up. So I think that kind of indicated that more people were going out of the office or out of their homes less and ordering right. in right. before they kind of started being in a more major way concerned about even the safety of, of uh, food that's being prepared outside. I want to kind of look behind the scenes because I think this is something that we were here, a lot of announcements coming from a lot of companies today about different things that they've done. And this has been going on for the last two months. I'm very curious, I mean, in a way, like just between the two of you guys, especially uh, when you were kind of having those initial discussions. I mean, what was that like for you? Because I feel like as business owners, I mean, everybody's so apprehensive right now about everything. And you guys making this decision to go early, to get ahead of something which... As much as you guys were doing the right step in terms of the safety, you're obviously shutting down your business entirely, uh, shutting down operations entirely, and it was going to have a significant impact to you, right, in terms of everything that you had projected, let's say, for the year. Uh, look, I mean, I'll start. I, I think, look, it's a difficult conversation, but I think, you know, one of the benefits, and that's something maybe we'll touch on a bit later on, of having um, two, two partners or two co-founders in a business is that you have the benefit of that brainstorm, which I think is very important because in those situations, the decision needs to be um, very pragmatic and you need to, as much as possible, take the emotion out of it. It's easier said than done. But I think when we started speaking amongst each other uh, and going back and forth about the pros and cons, the, the really very quickly it became evident that the cons far outweigh the pros. Um, even if we are ahead of this, even if we, um, you know, have to do something a week before, maybe lose a little bit of business. It seemed just very prudent to safeguard, uh, have a false alarm that that would have been the best case scenario, and then reopen, versus regretting uh, dragging on because obviously we didn't know how quickly the government would move at that point. And I think what we did, uh, which I think was was the right thing to do, once that decision was made, we went a bit on autopilot on just the steps and a protocol that we took for closing. It probably hit us, I'll speak for myself, I'm sure it was similar for Annie because we were in touch, obviously. I think the, the emotional toll, if you will, that kind of the emotional side of it hit a few days later. Once that was done and we were at home and you knew that your team was safe, 
And remember one very important thing as well. I mean, we're an F&B. We have our team is from all over the place. I mean, you know, parts of Southeast Asia. Um, some of them come from uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, etc. So one thing that allowed us to do as well is um, for many of them, we were able to give them the opportunity to go home because we felt that this would not be a week or two. This would probably be much longer. Now, a few days after making that decision, flights were shut down as well. So those that were able to leave, I think, were on both sides were very happy. They're with their families. They're not having to sit in Dubai through a prolonged lockdown. So look, I don't think any of those decisions are easy, but in my personal uh, view and personal experience from managing other crises, I mean, this is obviously unprecedented, but you know, I remember uh, when, um, when um, you had the financial crisis and the day Lehman shut down and we were in the, in the financial uh, industry at the time, and I happened to be in New York that day. So I was actually with my team in, in Dubai or Cairo. And, and that was one thing I remembered because I wasn't able to speak to them in person. And secondly, you know, you allow your emotions to take over. So I think it's very important that you, in an F&B operation that's very, very fluid, um, immediately move to your protocol, go through that. And then, I mean, we have plenty of time to, to ruminate um, afterwards. Um, so let's talk a little bit about where you guys are now today. So obviously you guys have still maintained the shutdown um, or you have been in shutdown, I think, for nearly two months, if I'm right. Um, I'm curious as well now about the other side of it. So as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Dubai kind of eased a little bit of the restrictions to say, hey, during the day, um, movement is a little freer. Um, they gave permission, of course, among other outlets, including retail, for F&B operators that wanted to, to, to be able to resume operations, of course, under social distancing and various criteria, 30%, etc. In terms of understanding capacities, uh, you guys didn't reopen though. You guys sort of said, we're going to wait and watch this. So, so, so tell me more about that. You know, I think this follows a similar uh, way of thinking as it was with the, with the closing. I mean, I think there's wishful thinking and then there's the reality of it. Now, of course, as business owners, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing people that have decided to reopen. Everybody has a different business and a different business mix and a different cost structure and different revenue drivers. So it, it really cannot, this, whatever I'm going to say now, cannot be necessarily seen as the recipe that others should, should, um, should follow. But I think it works for us. Given our location where we are, which is ultimately starting with a really a predominantly during the day and office location. We're in uh, Dubai Design District. So lots of offices there, typically about 10,000 people coming in and out of D3 every day. Um, and given the fact that um, we are in Ramadan as well, so this is anyway a slower period and, and, and things have changed. Uh, and given the fact that we feel when it comes to um, delivery, which is really a, a main vehicle now for many, it had been for us even before the closing. Um, but this pie now is shrinking and many more players are trying to get a piece of that pie. So for us, it really came down to a decision for the time being that your marginal cost is higher than your, your, your revenue. So it mm -hmm. does not make actually business sense to reopen right away. It makes sense to wait. Secondly, the um, protocols and the hygiene measures and all the safety measures around F&B and restaurants are still in formation. We would rather not try things out until we know that they work. And when I by mean in work is not just making sure that the place obviously follows the highest standards in terms of hygiene and any other measures, but also right. understanding what that means long term, you know, in terms of your cost implications, in terms of the, the ambiance that you have, because the lighthouse ultimately 
is not just about providing you with a nice meal. There's an experiential element to it. So, you know, how much of that is going to come back and how quickly, we don't know. And we are really assessing it uh, essentially week by week. For the time being, our pragmatic sense was it does not make sense to reopen. Wait and see. Uh, and part of that is also a sense of when things go back to some kind of normal, you really want to be able to be in a position of a strong position. And if yeah. you weaken yourself throughout the few, the early months where things are not so great, that puts you at a more, much more difficult position a few months from now. Going kind of back to the decision to shut down, I mean, as probably any entrepreneur will tell you, the, the uh, process to close down a business is probably much easier and quicker than relaunching or reopening. So we never obviously took that decision lightly. It was a very difficult one uh, to reach that conclusion, but it was important to not kind of have a false sense of optimism or rush into any kind of, I guess, decision now to reopen as well, because things are changing very quickly. And if you kind of take away the emotional aspect of it and you know, kind of sitting at home and having this feeling or eagerness to do something just for the sake of doing something and looking at the facts instead, you'll realize most likely that this is very likely to be a prolonged process. And all the rules and regulations around even operating are changing on a weekly basis at the moment. So there's, you know, you kind of have to wait out a little bit, or at least that's our decision here is to wait it out, try to see exactly what will uh, become the new normal for a period of time, understand how we should best operate in that environment, and then go from there. I've been talking to a lot of entrepreneurs uh, and kind of trying to get a sense of really, and I mean, I'm looking at it from my point of view as well, uh, trying to get a sense of, you know, what adjustments need to be made and so on. Uh, when you talk about shutting down a business or shutting down operations, which is where we are today, um, there is there is a technically there is a finite amount of time that can be sustainable, right? Because there are certain baseline costs, at least certain overheads that still have to happen. Um, and so I think then that's as Hashem, what you were alluding to, which is you know a lot of people sometimes who have different cost models might look and say, okay, well if it means I can kind of get at least something out the door, let's go. Um, if it means I can get my deliveries going, well that's that's a good revenue, whatever. Um, so there is there is a finite element to that. Did you, was that something you guys considered as well to say, okay, well, you know, we're not in that, we haven't crossed that line, we don't feel like we have, um, and that's why it's okay that we'll stay close? Yeah, I mean, th there's definitely a cost uh, associated with uh, with staying closed. Um, but, I mean, for us to also reopen the moment, you, you know, you switch on the gas and the lights and so on, there's, you know, <laughs> 10 times those costs that come with it as well. So you need to make sure that, there's enough business to sustain, obviously, that operation. And you don't risk in a few weeks, you know, realizing that that's not the case. And then you have to shut down again, which would be a lot more damaging at that point in time. If you have to go through the whole emotional process, you know, telling all the staff all over again that we're shutting down again. And obviously, there's a brand reputation and so on. Beyond the dollars and cents, which is obviously one important aspect. But another very important aspect for us is we have to look at the brand and say, how true to the brand is it? For you to open without being able to bring in all these other elements and other brands may have a different calculation i mean if you are a qsr or you know fast food type of um outfit i think it's slightly easier because people are coming to you for something quick in and out there's certain expectation whether it's on delivery or in dine-in our dine-in sure. experience and even delivery experience is quite different so we're not saying that um, we, we are able in this environment, no one is, to, to, to deliver it 100%, but it has to be closer to that for it to make sense. Because customers come for us, 
come to us for that comfort. You know, they want to take that hour off to come to the lighthouse for lunch or dinner or browse our design store or whatnot, um, or come for a drink and be able to relax. And if we're not able to create that environment, I honestly think beyond the commercial aspect of it, it doesn't make sense. Um, and even post, if we move to the period, you know, away from next few months, which are going to be very difficult for everybody, even after that, as part of our reopening, whenever we do reopen, we're working very hard now to make sure that we have an environment that as much as possible can recreate that. Maybe not in the same way, maybe not using the same tools. Maybe we'll have to change the tools a little bit, and that's fair, the world has changed. But you do want to create that comfort on that feeling of, I'm coming there to have a good time, relax, uh, meet other members of the community. Uh, so that's a very important element to us. And there are restaurants um, that you know are very respectable and very well-regarded restaurants globally. I mean, they're kind of more on the high end, but a place like 11 Madison, I mean, in New York, one of the things that their founding chef has mentioned, and I can understand that he said, look, they turned it into, for now, a place where they're providing um, free food for a lot of the people yeah. that are at the, at the kind of front lines of this, of this epidemic, um, this pandemic. But he said also, you know, 11 Madison has a certain, it's a certain experience. If I'm not able to provide that experience, there's really no point at this, at this point in time until we're able to reimagine a different experience. And I think something similar uh, applies to us as well. Before we get into sort of the forward-looking aspect, I want to talk about uh, the staff a little bit as well. Um, so I want to kind of understand from you, I know you guys mentioned that you were able to kind of do an all-hands almost and kind of talk to people and explain to them what the situation was, uh, offer some people a chance to go back home. Uh, but obviously, again, going back to that, that conversation about, you know, there is a finite, there is a, there's a cost, and I don't mean necessarily only monetary, there's also a cost to how do you keep your staff going and how do you keep them even motivated or even feeling positive about where you guys are. Um, what is it like for you guys today now um, with the team and, and leading that to, uh, to what's to come next? Uh, where do you see, um, not just for your business, but perhaps just as, a, as an industry, what's going to happen to the fact that, you know, we had all these restaurants and operating in a certain capacity, uh, even the ones that are reopening, but potentially the one, even if you reopen later, are, are going to have to shut down on capacity again because, you know, today we're operating, the ones that have opened are operating at 30, 33% capacity, right? That's all they're allowed to do. Uh, even if that number increases, it may not be 100%. So um, how do you handle sort of the, the staff element of all this? Look, I think the, the first and the most important thing is transparency. So we're very transparent with our staff and we were from the beginning. When we shut down, we explained why we're shutting down. We walked them through it. We have um, periodic updates with them to make them explain that, walk them through our thinking, our thought process so that it doesn't sound like some kind of decision coming from above. It's a thought process and we obviously take the cues from the senior staff members as well and get their input. But I think that ultimately you have to be transparent, even if that is um, that is a little bit painful to hear sometimes. So perhaps for some of them, probably the, especially the less experienced ones, of course, everybody would love to go back and work, but it has to be under the right conditions. So I think we try to be very transparent with them as to why we're taking those decisions that we're taking and why those might be different from others that have a different, you know, um, uh, uh, circumstance in terms of their reopening and i think they respect that ultimately um they want to be safe and they also want to make sure they come back to an environment that's thriving 
not an environment that's sort of stifled. And I think that's part of the brand. And you know, they, 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 their job is to, to, to be there, not just to uh, bring food and drinks to their customers, but also have a smile on their face and provide a certain, again, a certain warmth. And I think for them to be able to do that, there needs to be comfort. So look, it's, it's not easy. It never is easy when you have staff. But I feel that if you are open and transparent with your staff, they, uh, they will trust you. Yeah, one other thing just to add to I mean, Hashem's point on transparency, there's constant communication, obviously, you know, between us and our staff. We want to make sure that they don't feel abandoned at this time. This was very important from the very beginning that they're being looked after. We're obviously here. Uh, whether that means, you know, uh, making sure that everyone, and this has always been the case, but, you know, has full medical coverage, uh, should anything happen, uh, sending, you know, basic things like food supplies, making sure that they're well looked after in staff accommodation, all the, you know, everything is running well, they're able to contact their families, all of that. So I think just kind of making sure that from all kind of angles, we're there for them throughout this period is really important for, to give them comfort until... Uh, uh, we have a, a, a sen better sense for kind of timeline and, and when we can reopen. And I think if you're, if you're backing your staff and believe in them, they become the best brand ambassador. I mean, they, they, they remember that you, and this is, as Hani said, I mean, this has happened also while we were running before where some of them got into situations where we had to help them. And I think though they remember that. And I think that makes sense. You always remember who has your back. So, I, so we feel that this is what we should be doing. We do it, um, not just out of sense of obligation. We feel that it's a natural thing for us to do that. But as a result, those staff members become also your best brand ambassadors. You don't have to convince them of anything. It shows. They, they kind of buy, buy your story because you tell it to them openly and uh, you try to support them in any way you can until the situation normalizes. Yeah, they understand, I think, the intent from where you're coming from exactly. because they've seen that over, over time, right? So, so when you come and tell them, look, we have to do X or Y, whatever it might be, uh, they're more inclined to say, okay, it makes sense, or, or I, I, can, I can trust that that is the reason you're telling me this is going to change, and, and I can work with you on that. So that, that was and that the short-term sacrifices are intended for a longer-term benefit and gain. So part of it is protecting them and their jobs. You know, if we, we would open too early or would operate in a situation that's not optimal, um, that means that, you know, you might be able to operate for a couple of months, uh, but that what happens after. So if you're building this for the long term, you really need to, and this is the hard part about this, you need to think about your short-term decisions, your medium-term manual for operating and opening, and then your long-term benefits for not also using all your resources in the medium and short term. So when things really go back to normal or some kind of normal, and you want to grow again, you're exhausted, both financially and emotionally. Yeah, let's talk about that. So I, I want to get into sort of looking at taking and looking into the future a little bit. Uh, I, I, I think since the restrictions have eased, especially here, but we're starting to see that happen around the world. Um, you know, more and more people are talking about how do we restore normalcy, whatever that normalcy may look like tomorrow. Um, what kind of conversations have you guys had, if, if anything, today already uh, regarding some of the stuff you were leading to in terms of the medium and the long term? I mean, look, the, the business is, is fairly simple. It's a... Uh, you know, you have a revenue, you have your revenues and you have your cost. Right now, all we can control is the cost side. And by cost, it's not just how much is going out the door, but I think it's also the level of efficiency. So we've spent a lot of time, and we had been doing this already, um, but obviously this got accelerated because we are at home and because we have more time to do it, really looking at our supply, supply chain management, 
the entire curve from the moment a customer either walks into the door and asks for a table or calls in to make a, you know, for a delivery or to book a table. So all the way from the moment the customer sort of touches the lighthouse, so to speak, to sitting down his dine-in experience or dine-out experience, um, our inventory systems, our payroll systems, accounting systems, all of that for us uh, has been fully automated. That means that uh, much less room for human error, far more efficient and faster. Thirdly, as management, we have a far better grasp of the data because it's much easier to uh, slice and dice. Uh, fourthly, uh, it's actually a far more uh, less expensive than doing it manually, believe it or not. So that is something we've been looking at for a while because a lot of restaurants still running old school. We didn't come from that business. Maybe that's a benefit. So we never looked at it that way. There hasn't been a situation where we're like, well, we've been doing this for 20 years. Why change it now? We haven't been doing this for 20 years. We were bankers and then converted into this business. And when we looked at it, we, we just sort of from the beginning said, you know, this doesn't make any sense. So that has definitely been an area for us um, that is very important. And obviously, we, we talk on, on, the, on our podcast a lot about that with many entrepreneurs that come from the world of uh, food tech. That's an area that's going to grow, whether it's cloud kitchens, whether it's all sorts of ways to optimize and make the supply chain more efficient. This is something definitely we are uh, very, very focused on. Um, and I think um, whether you like it or not, technology will touch every business directly or indirectly. Um, and then of course, when you're getting to, uh, uh, you know, uh, dine out and delivery, this is now an area that's very hotly debated, as you well know. So the economics currently don't make sense. I mean, when you look at restaurants, uh, how much of a commission they wind up giving aggregators, uh, the cost for them to, you know, their own cost, whether it's marketing or, or other R&D, to produce this order and send it to the customer safely, the current economics don't make sense for the restaurants and actually don't make sense for the aggregators either. Something has to give. Um, this cannot continue. So what you're going to see in my view is you're going to see more um, customers wanting to go direct through direct channels uh, in terms of um, communicating with their customers and sending them orders. Hard to do because you need a critical mass. And that's why many go to the aggregators. The aggregators, to be clear, I'm talking about the Deliveroo's and the Uber Eats of the world. People go there because that's where the mass is. That's where the users are. I think what's going to have to give longer term when you go back to some normal is um, also restaurants have to revisit their pricing. Ultimately, if you need to provide a service that your customers appreciate, you have to price it directly. One of the things that have happened now over the last 10, 15 years, and again, we have the benefit of seeing this from being from the outside that are coming into this business is there's been a secular trend towards um, costs going up and prices of restaurants coming down. That's not sustainable. So I think something will have to give there. And uh, I'm not saying all restaurants will raise their prices, but I think every restaurant will have to price according to the service uh, that they are giving their customers. And that's not an equal service. And, and, and customers will differentiate between those that are just sort of quick in and out or just giving you a delivery product versus giving you something more substantial. I think actually that's a, that's a really good point because there's actually, so that maybe on kind of the more technical side of things and, and Hashem kind of alluded to this point a little bit, 
you know, there's two very important things, obviously, for, for restaurants. One is your margin and the other is your cash flow. So one of the things that we've been very actively doing during this period is, you know, I've been in constant communication with our major suppliers, making sure that they're obviously seeing as well that they're getting paid on time and in full, despite what's happening, because it's not necessarily the case with, I'm sure, a lot of their clients. And, and that's what we've been seeing in the market. So that when it is time to reopen, obviously, there's the time will come when we also need to ask them for their support. And I'm sure, you know, at that point, they will be very wary in terms of, you know, giving credit terms and, and better pricing and so on because of the experience that they've gone through during these months. So it's very important to make sure that they think of you as a long term partner and they're able to as well support you in that phase uh, in order for you to be able to as well extend those prices and, and, and terms and so on to your customers. Hashem referred to, and I think both of you have kind of talked many times about the long term, right? To look at, to say, how do we sustain ourselves so that we can not just come back, but we have to be able to come back and then last. Right. Um, we've seen, I mean, Hashem, you know, we've, we've had, we've featured people like, for example, Reef on the show, right? And he, during the conversation was very adamant, rightfully so, that I don't want to do delivery because delivery is not what my business is about. It's about the experience and everything. And now he's doing delivery, by the way. <laughs> and, 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 and there is no question in my mind that the only reason he's doing deliveries is because what we are in, a, in an unprecedented situation, something he could not have predicted to say, okay, well, if I need to run, fine, I'll package my stuff and I'll send it across. Um, we've seen restaurants like LPM, right? Like uh, entirely in-house dining 100%. experience to come out with delivery options to say, you know what, we're going to bring the five-star dining experience to you. So what do you think, particularly for the Lighthouse, but I know you've alluded to some of the trends for F&B, uh, do you think are, are changes you're going to have to see and come through um, in terms of the experience you were providing before versus what you might be changed or forced to provide now? I don't know about something um, that we would absolutely have to make. I think we're discussing various elements, but ultimately, maybe we're lucky that the lighthouse to us was always, uh, and this kind of going back to the beginning, was never, we never really thought of it as purely a restaurant and delivering just good food. Of course, that's very much, much at the um, center of uh, our, you know, our value proposition and differentiating point. But it's not only that. I mean, the Lighthouse from the beginning had a gifting component, had a food component, had that hub component. I mean, that's why we have this, you know, uh, these conversations that we're having now. We have them physically. We still do. We have them via podcasts, as you well know. So we always thought of ourselves as an entrepreneurial hub and a place for members of the community to come and congregate. If the interests of the members of the community start changing, we want to be at the forefront of that. We want to feed them uh, while they do that, but we very much want to be at the forefront of that. So one of those discussions that we're having in terms of the future of F&B, how are, how are restaurants going to change? What uh, strategies do they adopt? I think that's for us very, very interesting because it affects our business, but it also affects our community. And we're very interested in, in as you said, in the long term to build a strong brand. I mean, that's one of the main learnings from three and a half years at the Lighthouse is two things. I mean, one, you start at A, you invariably land at B, and that's okay. You have to really uh, be okay with that. Um, I think if we would have stick, stuck at A and said, no way, this is what we want to do. Why are we here? I don't think it works. And as part of that is as the landscape is changing now very rapidly, is to adapt to it, uh, but not just adapt to it, but lead it. So again, I think thought leadership is very, very important. 
So to your point, we are now looking at our entire experience, whether it's somebody uh, receiving a gift at home from the lighthouse or food at the lighthouse, or when we go back to, to dine-in, perhaps with some you know, uh, social distancing and others, what does that mean and how do we create that environment? I think that's all about thought leadership and being ahead of the curve as opposed to reacting and just following whatever guidelines you have. Because that's not what an F&B experience should be about. People don't come to that. They always have the option of, of eating at home or cooking. So you need to give them something uh, different. What exactly that is, I think stay tuned. But, uh, but we're, we're definitely working on it. No, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. As you said, you stayed, it is a case of being stay tuned because... Um, you know, a lot of places we we do not know actually. There are there are still Correct. many uncertainties that we still have to come come through. I mean, uh, you you talked about sort of reopening, right? You guys have not taken today a decision, as far as I'm aware, of actually when you might reopen. You might have a tentative idea in mind, let's say to say, okay, let's target something or let's work towards something, but you still don't know because don't things know. might change. So there might be a lot of factors that will that will change the game for you guys. So it's extremely important, I think, that we kind of keep staying adapt. You know, and, keep and sorry, adapting to, to what that is. is also you know? to be able to try things don't be afraid of trying something if it doesn't work you know we have to try you know i mean we built other parts of the business which we didn't talk too much about but you know we have a catering business we have an events management business in a way we do bar management all of those businesses right now of course are shut down because there's no events but those have to be reimagined as well i mean you know those events will not look the same way and therefore our service whether it's f and b or other to them will have to change um, you know, Hani used to spend a lot of time looking at these large-scale events like, uh, you know, Seoul DXP and um, uh, Design Days and others. How do we make that experience um, operationally efficient and also fun for the customers that are coming in to order something from counter, from a bar, etc.? All that might completely change. But again, if you, sure. once you kind of have a, once it settles and we know roughly where the rules are, you can either just play by those and kind of complain that your business has changed or say, okay, here are the new sets of rules. Let's now imagine how that experience would look like. Because guess what? Uh, customers are still looking for a good experience. I mean, you know, um, that's why we go out. That's why we leave our houses. So I don't think restaurants or bars or events will die, but they will change. So I think the key here is start imagining how you can adapt to that change and make those um, events, experiences better for the consumer. The more you hit on those things, I think the more you have a chance of strengthening your brand actually post-COVID. Post it's something we talk a lot about, uh, Chiragin, when we talk to entrepreneurs on our, on our podcast. And it's interesting because, um, you know, I also invest in, in um, early, uh, early stage companies, tech companies and otherwise. And one of the things that you find a lot of venture capitalists and others insist on is when they get a founder, they say, well, you know, you should really be looking for a co-founder. And case in co point, I mean, yeah. Hany and I were, were working currently with a very young company and one of the, 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 the VCs that are talking to them are uh, advising them to find a co-founder. And I think it's something just I want to bring up because I think one of the things that one should not be doing as an entrepreneur in any business right now is to think they're alone or to feel stuck. Of course, we all feel stuck. I mean, in some cases we're physically stuck, but I think it's really important to reach out. You will find very quickly that many others are in a similar situation. 
So obviously, if you're lucky enough to have partners or founder, co-founders or others that you work with, I think it's very important to keep the dialogue open. Um, and invariably, you will find better solutions that way. And if you don't, I think use your network uh, as a way to find these resources. Because there's no easy answers and there's no clear solutions right now. But I think a lot of people are spinning their wheels and, you know, sorry, and, and moving into just sort of, as Henny was saying earlier, you know, like, um, for example, opening just to open or because we want to think that it's going to go back to the way it used to be. It won't. To normal. So you're actually better off stepping back, but then finding a, a group of, of individuals that you trust to have that conversation with so that you can, um, you know, energize your business when, when things get back to some new normal. No, and I think it's it's interesting again because I so I don't have a co-founder, right? But you so have I'm looking me. at uh, well, yeah, I have you, of course. Uh, but I always, I always that's that's one of the reasons why I was talking to you about your dynamic and how you guys were making those decisions. Uh, definitely, um, I've been reaching out to a lot of people. I know you and me have had many yes. conversations as well, uh, but just different aspects. And and we, of course, we've talked about the show, and I want to I want to kind of touch on that in a second. Um, but just in terms of, you know, what are some of the things you are seeing? You know, what, what, what are you hearing on the ground versus what I'm hearing on the ground? And uh, when you accumulate all those experiences together, you will find that there are things you can do. So the idea of doing this exact thing came out of one of these ideation conversations, right? We said, okay, well, what do we want to do? What do we want to talk to our listeners about? And one of the things that came up was to say, oh, we can give them a touch base of where the lighthouse is today, right? And, and what, what that is like. Um, for us, where on our side, uh, you know, talking to many entrepreneurs for another show, uh, well, again, the same thing. I said, well, I would love to get your, you know, the two of you and your feedback in terms of what it is like for you guys running your business today and making the kind of decisions you have to make. So I think all of these are learning experiences for everybody. Um, as you said, you know, these are things that nobody has really quite dealt with. I mean, we can take some learnings from previous crises, like so to look at, as you mentioned, the 2008 crisis or even earlier. Um, I want to just quickly talk about the podcast with all, you know, for the listeners that are, that are in as well. So, you know, this, we're doing this as a special episode. Uh, we will return back to, of course, talking to our guests and we're kind of looking to see, um, I think, as an extension of the show. So again, one of those experiences, Hashim, you were talking about, about you know, just adapting to say, how can we now communicate and still talk to the entrepreneurs, but talk to them in an era that's post-COVID, right? Uh, what are they doing? How are they coming? We did that with Chris Khalifa last week or a couple of weeks ago uh, to get an update from him. So we're going to keep on doing that for sure. Well, and I think that's fascinating because, you know, one of the reasons, if you remember our early conversations, we started a podcast is we didn't want to have the limitation of physical space because we said, you know, we can't always, um, you know, schedule things physically with people. Funnily enough, though, when we started the podcast, we were still mimicking the physical experience because most of the guests would be invited to our office or our studio to record the episode. Uh, and only with, if, as you said, we started towards the end pre-COVID saying, you know what, we, we don't need to do that. We started calling people in Cairo and New York, et cetera. And now that's become the new norm. And in many ways, it's liberating. So that's a very good example of, again, you know, our podcast evolving as well. And all of a sudden for you or for I or for Hani, it opened up all these doors, right? Because now I can call anyone anywhere really within reason and ask them to get on the show. And we were limiting ourselves almost artificially simply because that's what you're used to doing. And um, so, you know, that's a great example of, of, a, of a post COVID benefit. Thank you very much for joining us on this special episode. And uh, thanks to Hani and Hashem for joining me and sharing some of their internal conversations. Before we wrap up, a quick announcement. We'll be doing a live episode of the show on Facebook next week. So that's Monday, May 18th at 5 p.m. Dubai time. 
All you have to do is like the Lighthouse page on Facebook to be notified and come join us. Hashem will be in conversation with Louis Labos, who is the founding partner of Astrolabs. Until then, we hope you're all staying safe. If you'd like to catch up on previous episodes of the show, you can do that in your podcast players, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, and Gami. And also find the episodes on the web at thelighthouse.ae slash podcast. We'll see you Monday.